Any information in this podcast is not intended to promote or recommend any particular product or services offered by Bell's family and associates. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any investor. Before making an investment decision, investors should seek professional advice. Good evening from Los Angeles, California, Lucy. Great to chat with you on the evening before CPI numbers come out. And it just sort of feels like looking at markets, it's another do the opposite day. Markets are rallying into a CPI number and it'd be tempting to say to just sell that because every time we seem to go one direction in the last year, we get a big opposite effect. And so I am fully anticipating a lot of volatility tomorrow around CPI and then even more around FOMC. Just when you feel like things are going to be strongly on an uptrend, they reverse. And when you think that they're going to zero, they seem to also reverse. So tricky times. And that's what we'll talk a little bit about today. That was Gavin and I'm Lucy. Welcome to tomorrow's news. Hey, Gav, before we get into today's episode about the latest CPI that's coming out, you just arrived into the US. The last time you were there was about six months ago. Has there been any immediate observations from what you've seen so far from landing and heading to LA? Americans love Christmas. I guess that's the number one. And you're immediately hit by that. I think... Everything does feel softer, slower, less punchy, people complaining about prices, restaurants certainly not as full in West LA, which is a pretty affluent area. As a little anecdote, my sister-in-law is planning to travel down to Cabell San Lucas over New Year's Eve. But to give you a sense of where inflation is, you cannot get a hotel room at a mediocre Cabo hotel for under about $2,200 a night. I cannot believe those hotel rooms are full. Those hotel rooms a couple of years ago would have been under 500. You probably could have got a package deal for probably three or four. I don't know who's buying them, who's staying in them, but it's crazy, crazy inflation in some areas. And I fully expect that those kinds of crazy numbers are unsustainable. And I think consumers are pushing back against higher prices. And that is going to be really what we see in 2023. Very interesting. Well, let's dive straight in. We've got CPI getting released Australia time at around midnight, 1230. What have you been seeing in the charts that you're reading about what's to come and what's expected? Well, look, it's sort of too hard to pick. I mean, There's as many views on the CPI read will be. We're at last, we were at 7.7%. Consensus will be at 7.3%. But there's some big factors in there. Rent is a big one. Rent is certainly peaking, but has it peaked month over month? Don't know. It could come off a lot. And that would certainly give a very positive month over month number. And that would give the market a lot of comfort that the Fed will only go 50, which they're only going to do anyway, and that their language may be less hawkish. So that would be great, but it's too hard to pick these near-term numbers. I think it was Lloyd Blankfein, who used to run Goldman Sachs, who tweeted after the last CPI number, he said, if you'd actually had the numbers before they came out, you would probably lose money trading. (laughs) In that whatever you think... It should mean when it reads one way 
it's leading the other. So what can happen here is we could get a positive CPI number. Let me give you a couple of reasons. We get a positive CPI number. Let's say it's 7.2 versus 7.3. People go, amazing. The first reaction is straight up because they go, this is great. Fed's monetary policy is working, economy's slowing, rates aren't going up as much. And then people go, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. That means that the economy is slowing more than we thought. Maybe what we should be concerned about, and I'll talk about Lululemon in a moment, is margins and the weakening consumer and all the implications of that, because now we're going to go into a recession. Mm. On the other hand, let's say the number's stronger. People say, well, hang on a second. It looks like that consumer is still spending. There's actually lots of dry powder. We could indicate that, in fact, uh, savings rates relative to wages are pretty robust. It's going to be a good Christmas. Lululemon is going to sell through their massive inventory. Mm -hmm. So that's good for stocks. It's not bad, right? We're already priced in all the problems. So that's the context of we could get it wrong. If I gave you the number right now, you could trade it wrong, and I would certainly could as well. I think that this is what makes it hard. The other thing is we then have the FOMC the next day. And anytime you sort of set up a one-two punch like that, people are going to be very focused on what the dot plot looks like. That is, what is that peak of interest rates going to look like? And when does that peak likely occur? Consensus and the Fed are saying things like, well, the rates are going to stay high for all of 2023 in order to combat inflation. If you look at markets, markets are saying by the second half, we're getting a recession and you're going to get start to get rate cuts. Hard to know which one to, to go with. There's no question that the economy is slowing. And there's pretty much no question at these kinds of Fed funds rates that we're going to get you know, negative growth or a recession. So those are things that we're contemplating. And then we say, well, what do we do about all of that, right? Because you got a lot of cross currents. What's happening in bonds, what's happening in equities, what's happening in China, what's happening in Europe, and so forth. So a couple of things that I think are really, really important to consider. The first one is the stocks are not cheap. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing lots of indications that... Well, people are not necessarily buying this rally. Mm -hmm. They're going to need another indicator that says there's enough growth in the economy and wages are going to come off enough, Mm. but spending isn't going to come off too much. And so you're going to have a relatively benign decline in earnings next year for companies. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if we get that, you know, stocks will probably do okay. But if we don't get that, I think folks are like, oh, everything looks sort of expensive and it all looks like it's got a lot of risk to the downside and there's not much opportunity to the Mm. upside, okay? And you can look at some really interesting stocks and just if, you know, you go and you do it on your own, you don't need to to be too sophisticated about it, you know, go and have a look at Amazon, right? So Amazon in 2020... It reaches a low around about 80 bucks or so, okay? Mm-hmm. What well, trades at 90 today, okay? Now, it went all the way up to 180. Mm. Okay, trades at 90 today. Now, I think that there's no question that there's going to be a lot of e-commerce spending, but this stock isn't cheap. I think when I checked, no. uh, it was like 40 times forward earnings or something, right? So, I don't know, where could it go if earnings are going to decline? And, you know, we've had this pretty 
exceptional period, both in their cloud business and elsewhere. Mm. I don't know. Where does it go? Does it trade to 20, 25 times earnings? And maybe those earnings are a little lower. Is this a $60 stock? Is this a $40 stock? Mm. Maybe it'll be a great buy then. But that's, you know, that's down 50% from here, right? And so I think this is the kind of thinking that is informing investors as they begin to look at the implications of the backdrop of Fed funds. Okay. Mm. I look at the Lululemon numbers, yes, right? Tell us about Lululemon. So Lululemon, I mean, this is amazing business. I'm actually from Vancouver. Chip Wilson started the company. I remember his first store on, on West 4th back when no one really knew what yoga pants were. No. And he built an amazing business and they've run a great business. The stock has been an absolute stellar performer for some time, including through a tough year. But their gross margins were much weaker. They were down about 130 basis points sort of in the high 50s versus down about 60 basis points that the market expected. Their inventories are up 85%, as I said. So what's going on? It looks like all kinds of elements, some markdowns, some freight costs, all took place in declining gross margins. Mm. And here's a company that has now got a little bit of a tough time on the gross margin line. Inventories are big for the holiday season. If the consumer is pulling back at all, then you can definitely take, you know, the stock was off 12%. You can see an earnings drawdown here of more than 20%, and you can see a stock that could have from here. The example I use is a company that people probably know pretty well called The Gap or Gap Stores. Yes. Old Navy and all these others. If you look at the chart of the gap from the mid-1990s until 2000, it was amazing, right? Same store growth, product was incredible, tremendous execution, but eventually it kind of goes ex-growth. And I don't know that Lululemon is ex-growth, but it may be that for a time that the market overwhelms them, and it overwhelms them at a moment when they've got maximum inventory some challenges around everything, probably from paying their staff to supply chain issues that we're all experiencing. When I look at some of these companies, these consumer companies, and I also put them into a category, I'd call it an everyday luxury that I think is going to be really interesting to watch in 2023. Everyday luxury is I'm going to buy Lululemon versus some off-brand. And the product itself may be similar, but I feel it's worth the extra money to buy the branded item. Mm. It could be people shopping at, you know, here in LA at Erewhon, the most expensive food market anywhere, versus at Whole Foods, which is expensive, versus at Kroger's or Ralph's, which is a mainstream grocer. Mm. The everyday luxuries where people have been willing to pay a premium for brands and higher quality goods and higher quality experiences, as inflation bites, as unemployment rises, Mm -hmm. at the margin, these things all matter. And so my question for 2023 is, do we see all of these elements of everyday luxuries come under a lot of margin pressure? It all matters. So that's the thing that I think is really important as we look at the macro. On the other hand, we are in a cycle, part of a mega cycle, post-midterm elections and into the year between midterm elections and a presidential election. Yes. Where generally in this part of the month of December and in the early part of next year, in aggregate, markets do well. Markets generally do well until about the middle part of next year, and then they start to moderate. When you look at 
decades and decades and decades of cycles. What we shouldn't ignore that. It's a technical indicator. We also shouldn't ignore the fact that we are going into a year where we've highly anticipated this recession. Mm. Stocks, businesses, everybody knows it's coming. So far, there's been no big surprise in the market. There's been relatively benign adjustment. Households are cashed up. They haven't spent all of their savings. It all looks like it could set up for a soft landing. And the stock that I watched to ask myself is, are we going to get a soft landing? It's probably not the only one to watch, but it's the one I kind of look at is JP Morgan. Because the one thing that's great for banks is high interest rates right now, but a soft landing. So they don't have big losses and the economy isn't so slow that they can't do any lending Mm. or do any business building. They generally, this is a pretty good time for banks to outperform. And they've been doing all right. Financial services have been doing all right. If JP Morgan starts to look a lot weaker, it'll make me think that people losing faith in this soft landing trade. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, I'm sort of, I'm inclined not to get too heavily negative because it still sits as possible that we could get a slowing of the economy, slowing inflation, Fed's doing its work by the end of next year. We are in mild recession, but the Fed is looking to cut back maybe by 25 basis points here or there to just sort of skate us through to the next phase. Mm, I mean, the Pollyanna, if you will. You shared a pretty interesting graph in our group this morning. For Mm. those who are listening, who are in the group, who've seen the graph, do you want to talk a little bit about what it means and your analysis of it? (laughs) Why do these things matter? Well, because all of the investment world, to some extent, is patterns. And the patterns generally play on certain broad aspects of the behavior of markets around certain kinds of events. What these patterns are and why they matter is that when you get a year that doesn't fit, it's unusual, okay? What I would say to you is if you're going to be really negative about early 2023 with all of these factors, Mm. you better be careful because you're leaning against patterns and history. My general thought is, You can be negative, you can go the other way, and we all often do, and we make money going the other way, but you've got to be aware that history is telling you you're betting on the one out of 10, not the nine out of 10. The Nautilus are amongst the best in the business. It is meaningful because this is the way things go an awful lot, and so we should pay attention to it. Mm, No, very interesting, and I think we'll talk probably a little bit more Later this week, following CPI and FOMC, mm. we're two weeks off from the end of the year, pretty much. Yep. And I'm sure people would love to get some of your thoughts in terms of what they should be looking at and having a think whilst they're stuffing their faces mm. with turkey <laughs> and drinking copious amounts of <laughs> wine over the holidays. Anything yeah. you'd like to share now? I hope people aren't talking about this podcast over their holiday <laughs> meal. That's my first hope. I think next year is going to be a great investing year. And and I think, I don't know, it's going to be a harvesting year. I don't know that it's going to be a year where a lot of stuff resolves. You know, we have IPOs, we make a bunch of money from some bets we made in 2022. I do think it's going to be a year to put in place some longer-term strategies. Because whatever I talk about in the short-term CPI, FOMC, whatever, at the end of the day, 
The S&P 500 goes up most of the time. It has always had a positive return over 20 years. And so you want to look at times to put money to work in the market. And that's what we're looking for. And I think early next year, we're going to see a major opportunity. And it would be my absolute pleasure to pop onto one of these and say, uh, I think it's time to go from sort of call it 25% allocated to 65% Mm -hmm. or some bigger number because we're seeing an opportunity. So that's my hope for early in the year. But as I say, I've discussed something more interesting in this (laughs) podcast over Christmas dinner. Well, to end, tell us who's interesting on Twitter this week. There's a really kind of a weird guy. His Twitter handle is BearForce1. He's a From what I can tell, a hedge fund manager, analyst, been around the street a long time, quite a contrarian. So Mm. he's very positive on the consumer, for instance. He's got a bunch of really interesting charts about how powerful the consumer is. He's also really well-schooled in the nuances of Wall Street in terms of conferences and how young people in the business think about trying to make money and so forth. And, Mm -hmm. and, And he's very funny kind of worth a follow. I don't read everything he puts out, but he it is very, very funny. And whoever he is, he's a smart guy. Amazing. I'm looking at his Twitter feed now and his tagline, his profile bio tagline is, honestly, I'm down like the economy. How can you not like a guy like that? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. That's right. Well, that's tomorrow's news. We'll be back later this week, very likely. Thank you very much, Gavin. Thank you, Lucy. Have a great night. Thanks, you too.